Good evening, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Scarlet and Gray podcast, episode five. Another Buckeye victory, and there is a lot to discuss. Our first Wednesday night show, we had some technical difficulties Monday night, uh, but we appreciate you tuning in here on this Wednesday night. I am Tyler Johnson, joined by a full crew this evening, Jordan Dalton, Nick Lazier. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Hey, we didn't have technical difficulties. We were all still shaking from the Browns' victory, and we just couldn't figure out how to get on the interwebs and, and type with our shaky fingers after that adrenaline-filled Sunday. So, That's a fair we, way to put it. We are, fair, <laughs> we are uh, fully recovered and ready to roll. <laughs> <Today>. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that was quite a Sunday, quite a Sunday for sure. But not here to talk Browns. We are going to talk Ohio State football. Before we do, though, just a reminder that the Scarlet and Gray podcast and Network 216 is proud to be partners with Underdog Fantasy. And right now, best time to play Daily Fantasy right with the NFL going on. Your chance for Thursday night, your prop bets, pick four, see how you end up doing, see if you can win any money. I know one of our one of our hosts actually came really close, but Cam Akers let him down. So get your prop bets in for Underdog Fantasy. If you use code 216, you can double your first deposit. Up to one hundred dollars. That's code two. That's code two one six. And an update on that: Best Ball Mania three. I'm winning five dollars so far. So, got to start somewhere. But <laughs> gentlemen, as we're getting into everything tonight to start out with, Ohio State looked really good against Arkansas State. And I, I mean, for, before we actually get into that, Nick wasn't on the show la- um, last week. So Nick, I kind of wanted just your thoughts. You were at the had a chance to be at the Ohio State Notre Dame game. And so we kind of want to get your thoughts on that. So what was the atmosphere like? What was just the overall your thoughts from that game being there in person? Uh, honestly, in all my years of going to Buckeye games, I think that was the most packed I've seen it 20 minutes before kickoff ever in my life. I feel like when kickoff was here, 106,000 people were in their seats and they were they were ready to go. I mean, I was up in C-deck, but I mean, it, it got really loud in there really often so i mean the atmosphere was really cool and i I know like i said before the game i was i wasn't gonna end up going but i ended up going and it was (laughs) worth it but it it makes it harder for me to be able to talk about the game when you're there because then you don't really pay attention to like the little details and stuff like that that we talk about in the show so Mm -hmm. it's a little bit harder to really analyze the game but the atmosphere itself was i mean it was crazy in there once they took the lead uh, late in the game, I mean, the the top blew off. It was awesome. Yeah, man. I, obviously, glad you had the opportunity to go. Very jealous. Wish I had the opportunity, but you know, it it was a good game. There's no doubt about that. But appreciate your perspective there. Now, as we're moving on to Arkansas State and kind of recapping it, Ohio State won the game, 45 to 12, and I mean, pretty much what we expected. They did not cover the spread. They did not cover the spread, so I thought that was interesting. But Arkansas State had a couple players. We talked about them, J.D., the week before. They had some D1 transfers. They end up looking pretty good. And I know uh, Champ Flemings was a guy that really destroyed Ohio State. Ten catches, 105 yards, two carries for 20 yards. I mean, what were your thoughts on him? I mean, he was the guy in Arkansas State we could just not seem to stop. I mean, he dominated this Buckeye defense on Saturday. Yeah, they were using them all over the field. Um, and they had – who was it? Steed was out for the game. Mm-hmm. Everybody was looking forward to him playing because he's a Ohio State transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they were using Flemings all over the field. 
it seems it seems like that might be the weak the weak point of the defense mm-hmm. is is being able to stop a, a speedy smaller guy that works out of the slot. Um, so I mean that will be something we'll key on later throughout the season, um, to especially once we get into these heavy hitting games with mm-hmm. with some of the ranked teams uh, we have remaining on the schedule uh, to see how how our defense works against these these smaller slot receivers that are going to be working out of the backfield. Um, but overall, yeah, it was it was a good performance. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of started slow, and and I think uh, penalties definitely were uh, were a negative uh, for the game. I know Nick sent me a text. He's like, oh. "What was it? Eight penalties, ninety-five uh, yards." Yeah, I mean, it, and I think I think Denzel Burke had two penalties. I think he had two of the pass interference calls. He did the pop. I mean, but we, yeah. Back to the we're going to talk about Fleming. Denzel Burke for a little bit here tonight. Yeah, so. we will. Yeah, we will. <laughs> but back to Flemings. I was getting so frustrated watching this because they were just motioning him all over the field. They mm-hmm. motioned him left to right. As soon as he crossed the formation, they're snapping it. He's running a little out route. They're getting the ball. He's making the first defender miss, and then he's picking up 10 yards. Like, And then he got up as they're down like 30. He got up talking trash. It's like, dude. Yes, you're balling, but look at the scoreboard, please. Like you're mm-hmm. playing a really good game, but geez, well, I mean, he was their only source of offense. He's also an Oregon State transfer, right? Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. one guy, and I think he he played four years and was like a grad transfer. To yeah. State. So um, he didn't have like outstanding stat. I think he caught forty balls for Oregon State. Mm-hmm. No, he wasn't great there. I mean. He wasn't great. I mean, Arkansas State clearly looks like he's the go-to guy for them. But you kind of brought up a good point, JD, about the defense, small slot receiver. But the we're we're gonna get in. He's gonna be the first guy we talk about. What's going on with Denzel Burke? I, because right now you're at a point. This guy was supposed to be your top corner. He was your breakout player on defense, which understandably so. I mean, the guy was a freshman All-American coming in, starting games as a freshman at Ohio State, which is no easy task at corner. But now Denzel Burke has looked. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna beat around the bush. He's looked awful. I mean, yeah. the guy through two games can't grade out above a 60. He even grayed out against Arkansas State a 59.5, and he Jeez. got benched. Jim Knowles <laughs> benched him. I mean, what are your? They said moving forward they're not really worried about him. But are you guys starting to get a little worried about Denzel Burke? Because when you see it against Notre Dame, okay, I get it. First game, you now see it against Arkansas State. Thoughts on Denzel Burke. Um, well, I wanted to. All right, so I wanted to give him a pass week one against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to overreact, but I'm overreacting now. Um, that was Arkansas State we just played, and he was getting burnt toast every other snap. It seemed like he was getting he was biting on double moves, or he was he was grabbing, or he was just playing terrible. Uh, man to man, and uh, that's that's an all that's a preseason All American right there, um, and and I will say the one thing I do like that Jim Knowles is doing that wasn't done last year is he's benching players if they're not playing well, mm-hmm. and I feel like that was a trend of the past couple years uh, where like players would be playing terrible and they would leave them on the field. And they just kept playing terrible, and in in like 
at Ohio State where you have such a deep roster, and uh, some of these guys may never get a shot if you don't let them, you know, play. Like Mbuka, he like that, just like an example on offense. Mbuka, if Fleming doesn't go down before week one, he's like number four on the depth chart. Now you could argue he's he's like number two. 2A or 2B with Marvin Harrison Jr. when when Smith and Jigba comes back. Um, but you don't know if he ever gets that opportunity if Fleming's on the field. So on defense, uh, at least they're kind of like and, – and he wasn't benched the entire game. They took him out for a couple of series, yeah. and then they put him back in. And then he he actually did play better once they put him back in. It wasn't who who replaced him? for Who took his spot? Was it the McAllister kid? No, McAllister plays that. Um, oh, yeah, he plays that like safety type slot corner. Y- y- yeah, I'm pretty sure it was um, J.K. Johnson. Yeah, it was. Okay. Who uh, didn't grade out well either? Yeah, That's, I was just about to say he didn't I mean. grade out well either. <laughs> they, uh, were, they were right under. They were right on top of each other. Actually, Denzel Burke barely. I want to say the safeties played really well though. Yes. Yeah. They, hey, man, Josh Proctor. Josh Proctor coming back from that horrible knee injury Dude, played Lathan, very well in this game. Lathan Ransom's been awesome in the first two games, especially. He's been great, and he's and an he undersized has, corner, and he flies around. And then we have Hickman, who's a beast. Mm-hmm. We so, do, even though we have Hickman. Like, I mean, because he is a beast. Like, he shows up. Like, and you see him make plays in games. He always he has been grading out very poorly to start the year too. Yeah. But yet he looks like he's good on the. I, I don't. I'll be honest, guys, I don't know how pro football focus does their grades because I'm not paid to do that study, so I don't know. But guys that play well, like Ronnie Hickman, and then grade poorly, I'd love to understand why. But I don't have a guide on how PFF does it. Right. So, like, moving forward with Denzel Burke, how long do you roll with him as a starter until you have to pull the plug? Like, if he does bad against Toledo, I mean, you can't start him against Wisconsin, can you? Because at this point – like I, I get J.K. Johnson didn't do any better. He really didn't. But you got to do something. I, I don't know what that is, but you can't just leave Denzel Burke out there if he's not performing well. You have to give a guy like J.K. Johnson, because J.K. Johnson I don't think he's ever started for Ohio State. So maybe he, you have to start him against Wisconsin. Maybe that lights a fire under Burke. I don't know. But we had a preseason All-American. My bad. We had a freshman All-American here, and now all of a sudden it's like he can't play. I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with Toledo. I mean, Toledo, prime, it's prime time. It's a, it's a faux prime time game uh, yeah. on Fox, 7 p.m., but against Toledo. But you know, they're 2 0, too, though. Yeah, under the lights, dude. And I honestly, there's a lot of guys on Toledo that would have loved to be recruited by Ohio State. You yeah. always get that. You get a lot with Michigan State too. A lot mm-hmm. of Ohio guys going up there, and they never got their opportunity to get recruited by Michigan. So they always, or, or Michigan or Ohio State, um, and so they always kind of play with a little bit more fire. Like you can definitely see that with Toledo, but you know, yeah, I, we'll we'll preview that. We'll obviously preview that game. I, I'll still never understand why we're playing a night game against a team like Toledo, but we did it last year with Akron. 
I, I don't. I think it's because the alumni band's going to be there again. Like Akron, the, uh, the alumni okay. band was there for the Akron game last year too, and it was a night game. I, maybe that's the correlation. I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. So weird to me. Hey, but it, it, it is what it is. What it is. I think uh, before because we do want to talk a lot of the offense, just because I mean, the offense is the is the thing that seems to be the most consistent with this team once again. But the defensive player of the week is a guy that. I'm impressed with every single time he steps on the football field now, and that's Steel Chambers. Move him from running back to linebacker. Ends up defensive player of the week for Ohio State. I, I don't really think we can say enough about Steel Chambers at this point. Obviously, like in this game, he graded out at about a 69.7. So, I mean, he wasn't like one of the highest, but he wasn't. He was just average. But this is a guy that's just constantly making plays for that Buckeye defense. And it's taken him like a little while, but he led the team with six tackles and a, he had a sack. Tackle for a loss and four solo tackles. What are your guys' thoughts on Steel Chambers? Steel Chambers. So, <laughs> what a dog. Um, oh. He, uh, we, we talked about him on, like, the season preview show uh, mm-hmm. because of, of Jim Knowles' defense and, and what Jim Knowles was trying to accomplish on defense with the speed and the athleticism. And I, I highlighted him. I know, I know we've all been super impressed with how he's played. But – they, they talked about it on the TV broadcast during the game, um, how this is the first year he feels like a linebacker. Mm-hmm. He um, looks like one, too. Yeah, yeah, looks like one. He he's You can tell he's like naturally – he has those instincts now um, that he didn't have previously. When, like the past couple of years, he's just been playing off pure athleticism. Yeah. <laughs> just been running around the field. But he actually – he's been playing really solid. And he's a guy – like we talked about him – with uh, like Tommy, Tommy Eichenberg, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Tommy Eichenberg. All right, I, I forgot. I I, I didn't <laughs> know what his first name was, but <laughs> yeah, Tommy Eichenberg. Um, yeah, we talked about them having to step up to fill tough Borland shoes, uh, but the biggest thing with those guys was their athleticism. Um, Tommy Eichenberg has been a beast. Oh. too. So like those those two linebackers with Cody Simon and uh, some of the other guys have been. Been looking real, real good. Yeah, I was gonna say we finally. We it seems like we finally have like three linebackers that can kind of all contribute on the field, and they can cover the pass well as like also they they're just athletic enough that they're not gonna get burnt on a wheel route by a running back or you know mm-hmm. they and they but then they can come up and fill and and lay the wood. You know, it's just nice that we have some athletes back there that can all contribute in different areas of the game. Yeah, and you know, growing up, I think we could all say that OSU was LBU. Yeah, they, they were, we were spoiled, man. We, we were, were so really, spoiled at linebacker every yeah. year, and we haven't really had a consistent like linebacker play. Um, really, a group of linebackers that was consistently good, and that's been a weak point of our defense over the past couple of years. Because you know, our D line's always been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, historically really good D line, and then our safety or not our safeties, but our corners. second, yeah, corners. Um, you know how you can just there's like a phone book list of of corners that are in the NFL right now uh, from Ohio State. So the linebackers has definitely been the weak point. Steel Chambers has definitely looked like he's trying to change that, and who knows, man, he might be a he might be a high draft pick just because of his athleticism. If he keeps oh. it up. 
he'll get an opportunity. There, there's no doubt in my mind. He keeps playing like this. He'll he'll get an opportunity somewhere. Teams are always looking for guy. Like they'll even sometimes. I mean, the brown the Browns are a great example. There's an offensive tackle that um they cut, put him on their practice squad as a defensive tackle. C- teams are always looking at guys, but in this case, Seal Chambers is only two years into playing linebacker, basically. So he's the type of player a lot of teams would like to take a chance on. Before we switch over to the offensive side of the ball, I uh, do want to read off just some of the defensive grades. I'm going to read the guys that actually played a ton of snaps because there is a guy who graded out in 90 million, like 12 snaps. Um, so first off, Josh Proctor at an 80. He, he was fantastic. Cody Simon, middle linebacker, 79.5. Michael Hall Jr., again, 77.2. Lathan Ransom, 77. And uh, Tyleek Williams had a 75.2. Those were your top five highest-graded Buckeyes. And then Tommy Eichenberg was just was right outside the top ten. So, overall, solid performance by the Buckeye defense. But I think we can agree that there were some moments where they did, at least to us, look like they were a little bit shaky as opposed to Notre Dame. I almost wonder if it's kind of – it's Arkansas State. So, eh. well, that's kind of what it seemed like to me a little bit. I was just glad that they didn't give up any touchdowns. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they Arkansas State was doing a good job due to penalties and then just chipping it like chipping us down the field. But once it got to that red zone when it was time to really strap it up, we held our own and held them to four field goals by a freshman kicker. By the way, he looked like a twig out there kicking the ball. I was like, <laughs> yeah. this, this kid's got to weigh 130 pounds, man. But he was consistent. But I was just glad that the defense didn't give give did not give up any touchdowns and just kind of held it down and stayed strong. Yeah, we uh, we talked about it last week without you, Nick, because you weren't here and, you know, we had to hold down the fort. But um, we were saying how not that it was a trap game that we would lose the game, but it was a trap game that we would play down in the competition for a little bit. And then yeah. slowly the talent would separate the score. Um, mm-hmm. and that, that did happen uh, a little bit in the first half. There were some points where you were just like, man, I wish this team would look a little bit better. And then the offense took over in the third, and then we got our starters out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, like, and kind of like with the whole arc with Arkansas State, I mean, we talk about the defense at times looking spotty. I mean, the stats would say that they weren't. I mean, they gave up 276 total yards, but because it didn't look absolutely perfect, because this is what we do as Buckeye fans. They didn't play well. They didn't play as well as they could have because they didn't. Because, But they didn't even give up a touchdown. Before we move on, though, and talk about the offensive side of the ball, guys, we're going to talk a lot about C.J. Stroud because, I mean, he is the best quarterback in the country. But I want to remind you guys that we are proud network here at Network 216 to be proud partners of Homage. And right now, you have the opportunity to go get your C.J. Stroud tee. It is available I've had it linked on the podcast page. Network 216 has had it linked. So feel free to go take a look at that. JD's got his on as well. Uh, but also I tweeted out to um, Jackson Smith and Jigba T because we got some news that it looks like he's going to play on Saturday for better or worse. I don't Thank know. goodness. Uh, yeah, because we, we need him. We definitely need him to beat Toledo. But <laughs> – but while we all before we also talk offense, though, guys, remember it's September right now at Twitch. All you have to do is subscribe to the channel. You get thirty percent off if you decide to go that way, or you can subscribe for free with Amazon Prime. And all that support 
goes out to all the shows at Network 216. That way we can provide you with Ohio sports content year-round and, most importantly, daily Ohio sports content. But, guys, on the offensive side of the ball, I feel like I feel like we're at a point with C.J. Stroud. If he doesn't have over 300, like 300 yards passing at this point, then he's just terrible. It's a bad just, game from yeah. C.J. <laughs> Yeah, he's a terrible quarterback. I mean, absolutely lit up, as you expect, lit up Arkansas State. 351 yards, four touchdowns, 16 of 24. Are, are we, without being bought, well, people are going to think we're biased regardless of what we say here. Is CJ Stroud the front runner for the Heisman Trophy at this point? Or is it still, because there's that battle between him and Bryce Young. And even Caleb Williams, you can make that argument, but. I think we think. <laughs> For two games, I think CJ's got it because Bryce Young was like absolute oh, garbage against Texas. Dude, he made, I was hoping Texas. He made a couple cut. He made a couple clutch plays, which I credit him. He made some clutch plays. Some of the throws he made down the down the stretch were crazy. Yeah, but I mean, granted, I think the Texas defense was also just playing out of completely out of their minds. I mean, all the adrenaline that was pumped through those dudes. But I think through two games, I think CJ's got to be the front runner. But like you said, we are biased, probably. But eh. I agree. <laughs> I mean, all, I mean, if you, if you look, if you look, I mean, if you look at the numbers. So I mean, because I do have them side by side here. Bryce Young has thrown for 408 yards, six touchdowns, no picks against Texas, 213 yards, one touchdown. That's really nothing special. Utah State. <laughs> 195 yards passing, five touchdowns. But again, Utah State. CJ Stroud, 574, six touchdowns, no picks. I think, I mean, you could make the argument that they both have played an opponent that was solid, both played an opponent that was trash. I think that's kind of where we're at. Completion percentage, it looks like, as a, it looks like they're nearly identical at this point in completion percentage. Yeah. I know – here's the thing about Bryce Young. Through, like, three quarters, he had only had, like, 95 yards passing. Oh, it was bad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, those first three quarters were really bad offensively for Bama. And then that fourth quarter, they kind of took it over. But, yeah, I mean, I, from watching – because I, I didn't really watch a lot of Bryce Young last year. Mm-hmm. And watching like, – I've watched him – I mean, I, I watched the highlights from the Utah State, and then I watched a lot of that Bama game against Texas. And I, I mean, I wasn't really like, wow, this guy's going to be the number one draft pick next year. Or, wow, he can be a two-time Heisman winner. So I, I don't know. I don't know what all the hype is right now other than the numbers. I think big hype is just Alabama being Alabama. Alabama, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the real Heisman frontrunner, don't, don't shoot me for this, but uh, I think it's Caleb Williams. Fair. I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. He's had quite a start to the season. I think he is the front runner just because I think there's a little bit of media bias towards getting USC back on this mm. national powerhouse train. And he, he freaking balled out this week. <clears throat> and that was against Stanford, right? Yeah, he was 20, yeah, at Stanford. He was twenty for twenty-seven, three hundred forty-one yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's a very good player, and I you kind of make a point, JD. I think if USC can 
become a call, like be in the college football playoff conversation, it'll obviously be because of Caleb Williams, and that's going to keep him in the conversation all year. I, I think we're looking at knocking on wood here. Um, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, and Bryce Young is probably your three finalists. Obviously, there's a long way to go. And again, knocked on wood because you don't want injuries. But I mean, I think those are probably your finalists as of right now. They're just the ones that I mean, they make everything go for their team. Obviously, the quarterback normally does. But Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison at USC. I mean, it's a special combination. Absolutely special combination. So, but the guy that we really need to talk about, and we're gonna let Nick like really start off with this. That's that's his breakout. That's his breakout performer for this year. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. was absolutely was absolutely phenomenal um, on Saturday, and his numbers were fantastic: 184 yards, three touchdowns, seven catches. Nick Marvin Harrison Jr. is the guy that you were picking from the get-go to have a breakout season for Ohio State. He had an 88.5 grade. Just talk about his performance on Saturday because he was absolutely spectacular. Well, and here's the thing about Marvin Harrison Jr. Dude, he is so, like, deceptively fast, and he is just so big and athletic. I mean, there there was times where the Arkansas State corner was giving some room, and Marvin Harrison, he's not running a double move. He's not running anything but a go route, and he just goes right by the guy. Like, the, the, the DBs had no chance. I mean – and even some of the routes he – I mean, the routes he – his route running is awesome. For, how, for as big as he is, his route running is very crisp. And his hands are, I mean – well, to be fair, it's easy when all CJ's doing is just throwing it in the bread basket and Marvin Harrison's got – he's just got to run under it. But it's tough to locate that ball when it's in the air, especially on long passes down the field. I mean, it's difficult with the sun and, and all the other factors that play in, but – I mean, his his ability to locate the ball while it's in the air, and we saw it a lot in that Rose Bowl uh, as well. I mean, he just has great ball skills, and his ability to track the ball and bring it in is pretty impressive. And, I mean, this is really – this was his coming out party, I think, other than the Rose Bowl. But for this season, this was his, – his fingerprints were all over this game, and it was fun to watch him just run down the field and CJ just air it out. Yeah, I, I mean – I think Emeka Buka had a great comment that he made, and I just saw it actually 15 minutes ago when he was asked. He said he thinks he and Marvin Harrison – he didn't even talk about JSN, but he said he and Marvin Harrison Jr. basically can be Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson at LSU, but better. That's that's pretty bold. That's a, that's, that's a bold statement that's to make. In the fact, he didn't even mention JSN. I think that's because, I mean – JSN's going to move on after this year. I think that's pretty obvious. Young man, that is a statement you better back up. If you're going to make a comment like that, you better you better become one of the best receivers in the country, both of you, because right now, now there's a target. There's going to be a target on their back after they after he said that. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, dude, even Abuka, I mean, four carry, four catches, 118 yards and a touchdown. Like, what did you, Nick? What did you tell me about Abuka? What the, the similarities with with uh, CO two? Oh, oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I was talking to Jordan about it. I was talking to my dad about it. I was like, this man is Chris Olave two but I think he might be. He's definitely stockier, and he mm-hmm. might be a little bit faster down the field than C, than C, 
Chris Olave, but I mean the similarities other than the number. I mean they're they're right there. I mean they're both just deceptive with their route running. They have great hands, and once they catch the ball in space, dude, it, it's it's game over. It's over as <laughs> soon as they get the ball. And I'm glad you kind of mentioned Chris Olave because I, when I saw him against Notre, when I saw Abuka against Notre Dame and what he was doing, that's exactly. You don't even need the name on the back of the jersey. If you don't, I, I thought it was Chris Olave. They're such very similar, very smooth route runners. To me, it looks like with Abuka, he's got that extra gear. Mm-hmm. That like yeah, and Olave was very fast, but it seems like Buka gets that ball, man. He's got a gear that can just take him to that next level every time. He's like he's like a, a mixture of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Like both their Ooh, like both that. their positive qualities. It's like he's they're all wrapped into one. Because yeah, I agree. I mean, once he catches the ball, he hits that gear and he's gone. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah. I mean, even on that punt return that he because remember he had a punt return for a touchdown, but they got called back. Mm-hmm. I mean, once he hit once he hit the seam, dude, forget it. There was no one even close. Oh yeah, he's spe- was- he's special. Yeah, and one of the things about Chris Olave, I think that made him really fun to watch was how effortless he looked when he plays football. Mm-hmm. He has like such an effortless stride. He always looks like he's running in slow motion, even though he's just blowing by people. And Buka's a little bit shorter. Looks a lot more explosive when he's running the football. Yeah. But other than that, like they they play the same position. Like they he is filling the same role in the offense that Olave was filling last year. And you can almost say that JSN would have, would be that person now. Um, and then Martin Harrison's filling the Garrett Wilson role. Um, but, yeah, he, he looks so good. Uh, he, looks <laughs> he, he, he was, and he was our fourth string to start the season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now, because obviously we talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba is expected to play on Saturday. Another Buckeyes expected to play on Saturday is wide receiver Julian Fleming. J.D., this was your breakout performer uh, for this year. But now there's kind of a dilemma here. And and I say this because obviously Julian Fleming's talented. There's no doubt, and we have seen it. Injuries have really affected his career at Ohio State. But you you have Ebuka. You have Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, you have Jackson Smith. I'm going to say Jackson Smith and Jigba. But... You also have a guy, Xavier Johnson, who has really stepped up. He's played well, shown he can be a weapon. What role does Julian Fleming have with this Ohio State offense? I say that because he was going to be the starter. It was going to be him. It was going to be him, JSN, JSN, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Because Ohio State likes to start three wide receivers in their in their offense. Where do you believe he fits in with this offense? Because personally, for me, I think he's the odd man out. And I wouldn't be surprised if Julian Fleming at some point transfers out of here. I think I think he'll be the fourth guy. Like he's like what Xavier Johnson's doing now. It's, it's so hard. <laughs> I know there's, there's so many like there's so many mouths to defeat in that receiver room. And, like, but the thing about I know it's funny how you brought up that he's going to transfer. Dude, he's had the opportunity, and he's literally said, "This is where he wants to be. Like he wants to yeah. be, and he wants to he wants to get better at his craft." And and I think that's just what the pull that Brian Hartline has as well. It's like, dude, we're not worried about. I mean, yes, we want you to thrive in college, 
But I mean, I really they're building him to be a weapon at the next level. Which yeah, I know with limited film, it's going to be difficult for scouts to really take a chance on him. But just with his body and his athletic ability in general, I mean, someone will draft him. Wait, all right, so you got to also think about last year with Jameson Williams going to Alabama. Yep, he only mm-hmm. needed one season, mm-hmm. one season to show what he could do to become a first round pick. Julian Fleming's going to be a senior next year. So at this rate, he's going to be here. JSN's gone, and he's going to have an opportunity to show what he can do on the football field. And I think I'm, – I'm not saying that's his – I'm sure he wants to show out this year in ball, but if all else fails, he's got next year. If he's JD, the, I'll, I'll say he's this. Man. Guy, though. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I mean, even like I mean, you mentioned, yeah, he would be back for a senior year in that case. You're Brandon, Brandon Inus, another five-star <laughs> wide receiver that's coming in here. I mean, th- that's the other thing though is like you're bringing in these guys that are expected next year to come in and contribute. And with his but, injuries, right. hey, I'm gonna, a, I'm gonna let me stop you there. Okay. Are these guys expected to contribute at this point because of how loaded this offense is? Uh, this how deep this wide receiver room is. They're not gonna. They are coming to Ohio State because they know that Ohio State is their best shot at getting to the next level. Yep, with, you're right. With, you it's are like, right. Well, it's like why people go to play basketball at Kentucky. Yeah, they know that if if they're coming there, they're probably not going to see the field as a true freshman. But that's because they are going to be putting in the work. They're going to be getting, you know, coached by the top wide receiver coach in the nation. They are going to be working with the best wide receivers in the country. And they know that's that's what's going to get them to the next level. Um, so that I think I, I think it's kind of the opposite. I don't I don't think it's going to be a deep wide receiver room, but I don't think these freshmen expect to play coming in. And, and, I, and I'm sure Hartline's not telling him, like, hey, you're going to see the field as a true freshman. Yeah, that's – I don't you know, think like that's he is, his recruiting pitch. He is a complete realist. He's like, dude, look at look at who we have coming back. You're uh, Unless you completely, completely show out, you're not going to see the field, maybe on special teams. But, yeah, I mean, I agree, Jordan. And they, they're not going to Ohio State – to play right away. They want to develop their skills. And then if they transfer after two years and go ball out somewhere else, then so be it. But that, I mean, they're obviously using Ohio State as a major stepping stone. This is what I'll This was the point I, I was making though. Like with Fleming, he's had all these injuries. And I mean, your class next year includes Brandon Inus, a five, a five-star wide receiver, Noah Rogers, four-star wide receiver, Cardinal Tate, four-star wide receiver. So, I mean, you have, three wide receivers coming in this room next year that I'm, if there's an injury and I'm talking to anybody that I'm not saying these guys are going to come in immediately be stars, but a guy like Fleming that is yet to really consistently been healthy, consistently produce. You have, I mean, I don't think Fleming's guaranteed like really to start. And that's why, I mean, for his career, cause I, I like Julian, I love the potent, potentially brings, but again, it's, it's always been potential with him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I just – I hope he stays here. It's awesome. We don't have a lot of Buckeyes that stay at wide receiver um, in their senior year. You almost wonder, though, for the best of his career, for him personally, is if it's the transfer. That's just – All right. So, if he's uh, – betting odds are 
one touchdown. Are you betting the over or the under this weekend, TJ? For Fleming? Yeah. Under. I'm, I'm betting the over. Honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll take the over, man. Because you got to think, especially especially if if we're winning by a lot, which I not guess that's we will true. be. He'll be playing, man. Like yeah. they're gonna they're gonna try to work him back into the rotation, that's, get him get him snaps. I think he's gonna get up. if he doesn't have the most snaps out of the wide receiver room, he'll have the second most. Like especially even if it's with McCord throwing him the ball in this in the late third fourth quarter. I mean they're, they're gonna want to see him on the field, just trying to get back into game speed, get used to getting hit, like all that stuff again. Because I mean, how long has he been out prior to the season? Was it a couple weeks or? Well, he was expected to play week one. He was. He got hurt in warmups. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And also, and also, my apologies to uh, Bryson Rogers. He's another four-star wide receiver coming in. So Ohio State <laughs> for next year has one five-star and three four-stars coming in. So that's my bad. That's my bad. I completely read that wrong. But I guess now that you, I guess now that I think about it, you probably do have to take the over on Fleming score more than one touchdown because. Yeah, they are going to probably be loan out Toledo. That's a good point. I Hopefully. didn't even think. Hopefully. They do have some talent there. But moving on, and kind of want to hit on the last part of the Ohio State offense, and that's this running back group. And really, it's two guys. J.D., it's Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. And it, on Saturday, it was Travion this time that led the way. He had 10 carries. 87 yards, two touchdowns, 8.7 yards a carry. But you kind of mentioned to me, it looks like Ohio State this year is going to be a two running back offense. Like they're going to get both these guys, maybe not even touches, but it's going to be probably about a 60-40 split. Yeah, that's about what it's been looking. I think right now uh, Travion had like one more carry. Then, mm-hmm. then Mayan uh, for the season. Well, he had he had two oh, more against our game. Okay, my my mistake. Continue. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> they're right there. So like, yeah, Travion had ten carries. Mayan had eight against Arkansas State. Travion's way more explosive with the football. Uh, <laughs> so his his yards per carry were way higher. Um, eight point seven to be exact. Um. But yeah, it looks like they they are they're spelling each other right now, which is it's interesting because that was not what we predicted for the beginning of the year. I thought I thought mine would get a lot of time and playing time, but I didn't expect it to be a 50-50 split. Neither so, did I. So I think that's really interesting, and they're almost using him as like a third down, yeah, power back kind of guy. I say I think they like the contrast. I mean, if it's like third and five. They have confidence that they can give Mayan Williams the ball and he's going to pick up six yards on third and five. He just runs so hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. He And they were saying in the broadcast, that they were talking to Ohio State's running back coach, that he always falls forward. He'll turn a one-yard run into a six-yard run just by making the first guy miss and then falling forward. I mean, he's always going head of steam downfield. He doesn't go east and west. He's always north and south. and. That's why he's so successful, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Travion Henderson, I, I, th- I thought at some point he would win a Heisman Ohio State. I said that his freshman year. You have to wonder, though, with how good Mayan Williams is, if Travion's really going to have the numbers of a Heisman Trophy running back 
in order to do that. I, I personally now don't think he will, but at the same time, doesn't really matter if you're winning games. I mean, Travion at some point will probably be a first-round pick given his talent, but I, I think he might not ne- ever win a Heisman because if you look at the running backs and win Heismans, their numbers are ridiculous, and they're normally the only ball- person getting the ball. So, but all right, so think about, move forward. I think something to like think about with that is is running back usage, and other than like Derrick Henry, who's just an absolute freak monster <laughs> specimen, not a human being. Uh, they, I mean, they give him the ball what like thirty five times a game in, in, in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, like he gets the ball so much, but like for normal humans, it, it it takes a toll on your body to run the ball that much. Yeah. So I think I think it's smart for the longevity of Trayvon's career. Oh yeah, because they know he he wants to play in the NFL and he's, mm-hmm. he's going to. Um, so I think I think they're just kind of they know they have two really good backs and they're not trying to burn one of these guys out because. Not only is it a long season, but it's a long career for for both these guys. So, I might as well use the talent when you got it, right? Well, and they're both sophomores, correct? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think mine is a redshirt sophomore. Redshirt yeah, sophomore. I think mine is a redshirt sophomore, and it's just a, a sophomore. Oh, junior, my bad. That's crazy. It is, man. It really is crazy. Before we preview uh, Toledo and Ohio State this weekend, we did kind of just want to touch on. We're not going not to do it for long because I feel like we could have a very long conversation about all this. But let's start off with one of the huge upsets this weekend, and that was Marshall going to Notre Dame and knocking off the Fighting Irish. The reason I want to bring this up, at the beginning of the year, we thought Notre Dame was overrated. And then, J.D., we talked about after the Notre Dame game, Notre Dame's a better team than we thought they were. But because, like, they they held on. Ohio State, obviously, is going to be one of the best teams in the country. Talent-wise, they are. But Notre Dame looked really good. Um, The quarterback looked really good. Like, Marcus Furman's going to be a great coach. And then you lay an egg against Marshall. Hmm. So, did – are we stupid? Like, did we just – Oh, is Notre Dame really not this good? Do they just have a hiccup? Like, what are your thoughts on Notre Dame? And they did lose their quarterback to a torn ACL. Um, I don't um, know, man. Yeah, I – gosh dang it, dude. And <laughs> I, was like, I was actually talking to my wife about this because she gets to hear all my gripes and complaints when it comes to football. But I was like, that makes Ohio State's win – look less valuable down the road when it comes down to like college football playoff selection. Um, I don't, I don't think North or I don't think Notre Dame is that bad of a team, but I agree. I think, I think they just are young and they thought they could cakewalk Marshall at home and Marshall came to play. (laughs) Well, and to be fair, dude, that running back, that Laybourne dude, he was a wasn't he like a four year player at Florida State or something like the dude was at like high level Division one football and then he transferred. Yeah. So like the kid's not a slouch. I mean he ran all over him, but I mean that's not really saying a whole lot. But I mean and the defense set up big time for Marshall to pick six to, to clinch it at the end. I was I was watching I, I was keeping up with the highlights on my phone. I'm like, are you kidding me, man? 
Notre Dame's really about to blow this right now. And it's like that's the first thought that came into my head. It's like, well, now our win just looks completely illegitimate, and we beat an unranked team after two weeks. But you See, gotta... the, the question about all this, when you're at the end of the year, though, and when we get into the college football playoff discussions that we'll have every week on this show, oh, man, that'll be fun. But <laughs> how do you guys think the committee looks at something like this? Because Notre Dame was fifth to start the year. Do they take any of that into consideration when they're playing a team at the beginning of the year? Because let's say Texas goes on and wins out here after losing to Alabama, and they're high up there or whatnot. I mean, how, how do you think guys think they look at this? So it's based off the of strength schedule. So it's actually based off the record of each of your opponents at the end of the season. Um, so, yeah, it, and, and we, we, we touched on it prior to that Notre Dame game, that Notre Dame might be a team that has, you know, four losses at the end of the year. And this win doesn't look as valuable as it did week one when they're ranked five. Um, so they're not going to be putting much stock in the fact that Notre Dame was five to start the season, more so where they're at at the end of the year. Um, so, yeah, it, it kind of sucks that they're losing. It's, it's kind of the argument that, a lot, of, uh, a lot of Ohio State fans love to make with Michigan. You want Michigan to be undefeated at the end of the year, so you smash them mm-hmm. in their, their top five, um, and it looks better for Ohio State's bowl hopes or whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, go Michigan, right? I can't believe you just said those words in a <laughs> sentence. Uh, but <laughs> – but the other one that we wanted to talk about real quick again, because we still have to preview Toledo, which we are going to do, that is Alabama and Texas. Now, Alabama beats Texas 20-19 to at Texas. It took a comeback in the last minute by Bryce Young. Alabama had a field goal to win the game. Okay, we could. I feel like we could also spend an entire show on this particular subject, but why is it Ohio State beats Notre Dame at home by double-digit points, Alabama goes to Texas, wins by one. They don't drop at all. Ohio State drops in the rankings by one. Alabama doesn't. Alabama's going to Alabama, dude. So, so you're saying SEC bias is real. It's real. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I think so. I mean, because you, you can argue that, I mean, that Texas team was not even ranked, you know. Yeah. And I don't know. it. It's all up to conversation and whatever you want to believe, but it's, I, it's unreal. Is, is Georgia number one right now? No. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm asking this. Georgia's not number one. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure Alabama is ranked number I thought, one. I thought Georgia was number one and Bama was two. I have seen the wrong poll. I, one poll I saw had Alabama one. Okay. They might okay. They did go down one. Okay, okay I, say, I know they went still. down. I think they went down, but I mean, they. I think they should have. I don't know. I don't. I'll know. give credit where it's due. Then that's that's my bad. That, but either way, they, right, gave up, so, they, they dropped a spot. So that's that's the SEC bias. They're like, well, we can drop them one. You know, so they put another SEC team in front of them. The logic here is flawed because <laughs> you you you're supposed to. It's almost the opposite of the argument I just made, right? So at the end of the season, you're looking at 
the records of all the teams at the end of the season that each team has faced. So your strength of schedule for a season poll, you have to look at what you have done to that point for rankings. So Ohio state is the only team in the top five that has a top five victory in the first two weeks of the season. And they're still not ranked number one in Texas almost beat Alabama and they were unranked. And did, still, they make it, did they make it into the rankings? Even though they lost? They yeah, I think they did. Yeah. I'm about to check that real quick because now I'm curious. <laughs> well no, because I, I didn't see I normally only skim the top ten. Yeah, Texas is now twenty first. I say I know a lot of I mean a lot of ranked teams lost this week. A lot. I mean there was a lot Texas A and M dropped twenty four spots. Oh, so they're not even ranked anymore. Texas even ranked. ain't that. No, Texas ain't that. Is they dropped eighteen spots there in twenty fourth. Oh, okay. Where where'd Florida drop to? I'm sorry. While you're there. No, no, you're fine. Florida dropped to eighteen. Yeah. So. Go Wildcats, baby. Yeah. Hey, oh, trust me. I got to. I get to hear it from my wife. Oh, we're top ten now. It's like, good job. Good job. Woo, we're top five every week. So for the last twenty years. All right. <laughs> anyway, on to Toledo. On to Toledo. Yep, the Rockets, State, man. State will play a two and O Toledo Rocket team on Saturday. Toledo has had quite a schedule to start. Absolutely impressive. Long Island, a thirty-seven to nothing win in UMass, a fifty-five to ten win. They do have some players though, um, on both sides of the ball. I will say that. So, first off, you guys remember this man, linebacker Dallas Gant, former Ohio State Buckeye, that just transferred to Toledo. He actually was asked about that, and he said it was it was just better for him to be closer to home, um, closer to his family. He just said overall it was just a better decision for him. He said he has no ill will towards Ohio State, and he enjoyed his time here. And Ryan Day also said that he loved having Dallas Gant here. He was sad to see him go. So, I mean – what do you guys think about playing against a former Buckeye? I, I, I'm one of those people, I mean, I wish we could have seen Brian Sneed. I like it when we get to play against former players, especially when it's an in-state battle. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I, I like these games that you, you play in state foe. Mm -hmm. um, since we don't have a Ohio team in the Big Ten, uh, apart from ourselves, uh, I think these like Mac teams, like whether it's Kent State, Toledo, Akron, Ohio, I always think that it's kind of cool for those guys because, like I like I said earlier, a lot of them probably had dreams of playing for Ohio State, and so the fact like some of these Toledo guys get to play under the lights in the horseshoe, I think that's pretty sweet. Um, and 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 they always play tough. It's it's not going to be like a Big Ten matchup, but they're going to give their one hundred and fifty percent effort. Well, and, and even, I mean, if these uh, if some of these kids ball out, I mean, it's going to be on national television. I mean, there's going to be scouts there in the from the NFL to watch players from Ohio State. But, I mean, if you have a great game against the Buckeyes, it's definitely going to get you on some teams' radars and stuff like that. I mean, like I agree, Jordan. It's just great for both sides that you just keep the Ohio games in Ohio, and it's it's fun to do that. It should be. Ha Personally, I think you need one every single year, at least. 
play one Ohio team every year. And but Toledo comes in, and I did read off they are two and zero. But Toledo statistically, and because again, you do have to take this into account, <laughs> opponent too. But Toledo coming in has a top five defense in the country. They do statistically as of right now, they do. They are great according to Pro Football Focus at a ninety one point one overall defensive grade. And uh oh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Let me make that. All right. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, they do have a guy that NFL teams are scouting, have scouted, and have some interest in. And that, oh man, excuse me, that is defensive end Jamal Hines, an 80.2 overall grade. He is the guy that makes this defense go for Toledo. In Ohio State, one of the things that's been a little spotty at times this year is the offensive tackle position. Do you guys think do you get you guys remember and it was a while ago, Khalil Mack at Buffalo absolutely destroyed Ohio State. Now again, that was about that was about eight years ago, nine years ago. But what does Ohio State have to do on Saturday to make sure Jamal Hines doesn't do the same thing? Are you guys you know what a talent he is? NFL scouts, I mean, there's a good chance he's drafted next year. Is this a guy that you're doubling? Do you think you can just play him straight up? Like what are your thoughts? Because I don't think you want Toledo's star player really being able to affect the game. I don't think that they're going to double him a whole lot, honestly. I think – They might roll the running back over to chip him, but they're not going to pull the the guard and tackle to go block this guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's a great talent, but our tackles are pretty tough, you know. But if anything, I agree, Jordan. I think they might just – you know, every now and again, just show a different look, but it's not going to be often. I think they have, uh, they have uh, him listed uh, as a DN, but it also says he plays linebacker. So it kind of sounds like they love to just move him around and create mismatches wherever they can find them. In this case, he won't have one, but. I'm going to say the, I think the talent disparity between Ohio State and Toledo kind of allows for us to not acknowledge the talented players on the defense as much. So it's, they kind of, I think they would look at it more as, Hey, we're going to get these tackles some work this week. Mm -hmm. Like they're Mm going to be one-on-one against a really good player and he is going to affect the game, but he's not going to affect the game enough for us to lose. And it's going to be, it's going to be viewed as like, Hey, this is your guys' challenge for the week. Um, We're, you know, we're going to win this game, but this is kind of what we want to see out of you when you are facing an elite defender. I like that perspective. Yeah, yeah that's that's a that's a really good way to put it. I just, yeah, I mean, they probably won't double him. I think this is a guy though that you obviously have to be aware of where he is at all times because he is he's a talent. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about that. But going to the offensive side of the ball, Toledo has a weapon on offense. And again, it hasn't been a lot of games into the year, but their quarterback, and if I yeah, Daquan Finn has three he only has three hundred and eighty eighty yards passing so far. Hundred but he also is a dual threat, hundred and thirty eight yards rushing. This is a guy that can make a lot of plays for Toledo. He really the offense goes through him. I mean as it should. But he really is their entire offense. He leads them he basically leads them in carries. He does actually lead them in carries along with Penny Boone. But he also is their star quarterback. 
how would you guys, as an Ohio State defense, really work on defending a dual-threat quarterback? Because, J.D., you kind of hit on it. The one thing we struggled with so far has been slot receivers. But now we're going to play one, statistically, actually, one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the country. And I say that because, statistically, that's where he's ranked. He's one of the best dual-threats. So how would you guys go about defending that type of athlete? So we we had – Tyler Buckner week one, um, he wasn't as much of a threat with his feet, but he could get out of pocket, create plays. And our defense actually struggled a little bit with, mm-hmm. with him getting out of the pocket and moving and, and stuff like that. So I think I hate, I hate it. I hate when teams do this, but yeah, I think that they, yeah, I think they're going to have to spy a mobile quarterback and, and, this is this might be a practice game for what they are going to try to do against Michigan, because Michigan mm-hmm. has a more athletic quarterback this year, um, uh, where they they put Steel Chambers and they're they're spying and Steel Chambers can keep up with the the mobile quarterback or whatever. Um, so I think that might be something that, that we see this week, um, maybe not the whole game, but some series where they're like, hey, let's go out there. We're gonna run a spy, see how it works, and and Jim Knowles, I can see him just playing with it and seeing what what works, what doesn't, what he needs to fix. And I I, I look at these these games, I I feel like a lot of teams just go out there, they blow them out, um, but I feel like Ohio State works a lot of what they need to see out of their players more so than like just the stat sheet or the score of the game. So even though the score of last week wasn't crazy blowout like we were expecting, I, I think Ohio State was trying a lot of things on defense, a lot of things on offense uh, to, to try to prepare themselves for these these bigger games throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to see it. I think you kind of hit it. It's fine. Steel Chambers, even seeing Jack Sawyer. I'd like to see Jack Sawyer really try and take him on. I think that would be really intriguing to see. But Finn is – He's a really good athlete that Toledo has. I mean, got to give credit where it's due. They have a really good athlete on their hands. And we just have to make sure, I mean, again, you have Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers. These are guys that being put, they haven't been put a lot so far in that read option position. And they're both, they both have switched over from like DN for Eichenberg to linebacker, Chambers from running back to linebacker. One of the things that takes a little while to learn, regardless of how long you've been playing a certain position, is reading the option. So that might be the one concern I have is how they read that option on Saturday. Because you know Toledo's going to use it, especially with a dual-threat quarterback like that. But overall, guys, I mean, I think think it's going to be a really good weekend for the Buckeyes. What are your predictions for Saturday night? Uh, I think... Ooh, I didn't even think about what my score prediction would be. So I think it'll actually be closer than the Arkansas game. Really? Yeah, Arkansas. All right. Game. Um, I don't know what was the final score of Arkansas State game? Forty-five, twelve. Probably, uh, probably like 42, 42-14. Does Ohio State cover? Thirty-two and a half point spread. No, I, I think they cover this week. I think I think they have a big game. I think they go for sixty. I'm always the under smash the under. Yeah, no, I think I think the offense comes out and they're just lights out from the start. Defense, they're going to clean up the penalties that they had against Arkansas State because really 
that's what triggered a lot of the points from Arkansas State. So I think they're going to clean up a lot of the penalties. Prime time in Columbus, I think they put up 60, and it's a route. Man, okay. So you have them covering. JD does not. I didn't have them cover, covering last week. I have them covering this week. I think that the Buckeyes are going to put up 52. I think 52. Man. I'm going to go 52-13 here. I, I, I don't think Toledo's going to put up a lot of points. We block an extra point? Huh? We're going to block an extra goals. point? Two field Two goals. Two goals. <laughs> goals, man. You get you – get, uh, Get a touchdown, two field goals. The touchdown would probably be in the third quarter, third or fourth quarter when the game doesn't even matter. I mean, it won't matter probably after ha- halftime. So, but I mean, either way, I do think they end up covering this week. It should should be a good game. The Buckeyes, when we uh, talk, talk next week, they should be three and out. Should be three and out. But anyways, guys. As we're wrapping things up, just remember that Network 216 and the Scarlet Gray Podcast is proud to be a partner of Underdog Fantasy. And right now, the best time to play Daily Fantasy is going to be tomorrow. You're going to have another great Thursday night football matchup between the Chargers and the Chiefs. And you get to go out and pick some players for your daily lineup, see who's uh, see who's going to work for you. I know Keenan Allen's already been ruled out. Might want to look at Josh, Josh Palmer there, getting a little inside info there. But uh, – Anyway, guys, use code 216. You could double your first deposit up to $100. And thank you all for tuning into this episode. Remember that coming up next, we have – I'll be on live here in just another minute with <laughs> – Yeah, the Browns coming off a week one victory for the first time since 2004. The Faithful Dogs podcast will be live. Right after, right after Scarlet and Gray podcast. So you guys want to make sure you tune in for that. Thank you everyone for the support. And if you do support the channel, please drop a subscribe. We really appreciate it. That way we can bring you guys Ohio sports content year round. This has been the Scarlet and Gray podcast. Thank you all for tuning in and go Bucks.